Hey friends, welcome inside a very first for Pop Culture with Fanboy Know It All, and that is a separate spoiler cast mini episode. Are you whispering or are you just doing sort of a jazz voice? It's just what sort of are you doing going like for? a smooth jazz. Uh, gotcha. You know, NPR-ish okay. voice for this, just to, to give it a little bit of a different vibe since I tend to be so high energy when I say what's up, my nerds. Yeah. On gotcha. the other episode, like I just wanted to give this spoiler cast a. This is because real, it's, it's a more intimate portion. That's of our right. Audience. These are our best friends. That's right. They're listening right now. Hey, best friends. <laughs> What's up? How's it? How's it going? You feeling super nerdy right now? Oh, that's pretty creepy. <laughs> are we getting <laughs> into like? Really are we getting into like that's ASMR getting, territory yeah, right now? That, are you gonna listen uh, to this as you fall asleep later? Uh, the soothing sounds. Of the intro of this podcast, just keep it on loop. Oh my god! You can download this, clip off this section, and just re-listen to it as you go to sleep every night with my smooth, dulcet tones. You know, if I go to hell, that may be. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we took a strong left turn there. Holy cow! Paul just said, "I'm a part of his his version of hell." Okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think I think the show just ended. Never- <laughs> like not this episode. I think the show just ended. <laughs> all right. All right. What you are we what? Your about? study feels like hell with the ghosts <laughs> and the heat. Gosh. <laughs> the insults coming. Yeah. No, it's true. The comments <laughs> about my weight gain. All right. Look, I'm a sympathetic eater. <laughs> Okay. I just wanted to talk about Spider-Man <laughs> Far From Home and the spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. <sighs> spoilers. <sighs> okay. Spoilers for Spider-Man. Here we go. Spider-Verse. Spoilers, Spider-Verse. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, we're not talking about Sp- Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> I'm so mixed up here. We already talk- we're talking about Far From Home. <laughs> Far From Home. Okay, but okay, here that's, we go. that's my first spoiler. That's my first spoiler. There was a few moments inside Spider-Man Far From Home where I was very excited about the possibility of it connecting into Spider-Man Into oh, the Spider-Verse. Oh, wouldn't that have been great? That would have been amazing. That would have taken it over the top. I would have given it 11 out of 5 stars, and it would have been the most amazing thing ever. Had had Porky, Spider Pork, Spider Pig. <laughs> spider Ham. Spork, spider Ham. <laughs> spider Ribs. <Porky. laughs> had he shown up, had John Mulaney Toy Story as 4. Spider Ham, had he shown up, in Spider-Man: Far From Home, I would have given it all. I would all the stars, all the stars, all, all the, the stars, money, all the money, all the money. Yeah, you so, would have given them your Reynolds rat contract. That's right, because like when we started to get essentially the trailers for Spider-Man: Far From Home, only show content from like the first 20, 30 minutes. Right, like there's there's almost nothing from later on. Right, in the film because. One of the big spoilers, though it's ultimately, I think this is maybe the case Paul's going to make. Um, oh, just in case you like started listening to this episode and you didn't notice the big like spoiler warning in the <laughs> big title. Spoiler warning, yeah. You know, this is the spoiler version of our Spider-Man Far From Home talk. So, like, if you want the spoiler-free version, that's on the other episode. So go listen to that one. Exactly. Okay. So. So. Mysterio. Here's the thing. 
So this is the Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, yeah. So here's the irony about these spoiler warnings that we were, you know, we've been really pressured not to spoil anything, right? Right. Anybody who reads the comics, it was already spoiled. Mysterio, right? As the character, we know what he's about. So how? I the thing is, I think that's an acknowledgement of the fact that there's a lot of people that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has turned into fans that didn't weren't correct. fans in the first place. And, and honestly, like yeah, and and I'm one of them too. But it, it is sort of interesting the idea that you can you have to worry about spoiling something where the answer was already out there. You know, like like when I'm doing like a, a true history type of a thing. Right. I know that I don't have to worry so much about spoiler warnings because, you know, you know the Titanic sank. Right. You know that World War II was won by the Allies. You know, you know these you know, you know these Brett things. Favre goes to the Jets and starts sending pictures of his junk to people he shouldn't be. <laughs> that was an we know this odd happens. little <laughs> Well, it's history. We're talking about history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, it's, it's history. All right. So, so to bring it back on track, you've got, you know this this character who's been around for a good many decades that that people in the know already knew that Mysterio was, and this is a spoiler, the bad guy. Hmm. So, so it might, it would have actually been a, maybe a better spoiler had he actually everybody thought he was the bad guy, and then we find out that he's an interdimensional traveler from another version of earth and then spider ham shows up and i give it all the stars and all the money that would have been a bigger spoiler because oh yeah people have been like oh mysterio is supposed to be a bad guy what's he doing being a good well, guy yeah, exactly exactly so they're already like look we know mysterio's a bad guy yeah so, so it's not really gonna freak us out when we find out that he's a bad guy yeah so here's here's the thing though not having so had, this is just a kick in the nerd nuts yeah yeah when i went in I was way too amused by my own joke. That wasn't even that funny. You no, know, it wasn't that funny. It was not. But then I look over and there you are, just <laughs> laughing away. Still laughing. Laughing away. It's the heat in here. <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know, going into the movie, I didn't know that Mysterio was necessarily the bad guy. But you kind of know it just by looking at Jake Gyllenhaal. You kind of know it. You're like, look at his douchey face. <laughs> Are you allowed to say any of these things on the podcast? What things? <laughs> I'm allowed to say whatever I want. No. So, yeah, so because you kind of know. We all know that. The, the way the whole thing is set up, sure. you know that there's something kind of weird about the happen. Mysterio guy. Something has to happen. Something has to happen. It's too easy. It's way too easy, and technically it just sort of ends. And, and as, soon as, as soon as Peter Parker, he is given by the late Tony Stark these special glasses that control the a billion deal. dollar glasses exactly he controls lots of of stark industries through these glasses including, including satellites lots of drones and drones and drones and so you know that when he gives those glasses to jake Gyllenhaal, it's not going to be a good thing it's going to be a bad thing yeah for sure very very always bad, bad. look when you give up 2.3 billion dollar sunglasses it's just never a good thing and why would he do that? I mean, seriously, you would think that he would have thought about it a little bit more than just sort of hanging out at a bar. Run, run it by Aunt May. Exactly. At least. Aunt May. She seems at to know least. what's down. Even if she's a little goofy here and there, she might be like, hey, let's pump the brakes on this real quick. 
let's talk to Happy. Let's let's maybe think, hey, this you you can use these to command killer drones. Like you just met this guy. Let's give a let's yeah. Let's, let's think let's about put this. him through some more paces. Yeah. Like let's do some friendship test stuff. Yeah. And know? I know that Peter Parker is only sixteen years old, but really, I mean, well, he's got to be at least seventeen, eighteen by now. Well, right? he says you that know. he's sixteen. Well, that's so. There you go. The blip, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so you would think that he would have just given it a little more yeah, thought. 16-year-olds are dumb, but are they that dumb? Well, yeah, they, I don't think that, that a 16-year-old but would he do was, that. But he wasn't thinking what's his brain at that point. There's a classic Seinfeld episode. Oh, my Where there's goodness. two different heads you can think with, and Peter was thinking with oh the second one. Oh, my goodness. You went there. <laughs> you went there. It's just science. <laughs> Peter was clearly not thinking with brain number one. He was getting the Peter jingle somewhere else. <laughs> that's, that's what that's you're right. saying. That's right. Absolutely. He was. He that was where his Peter tingle was. If you think about it, I I, I really cannot. <laughs> the whole <laughs> not, the whole part the whole first part of the movie when he doesn't know where his Peter tingle is. Nuts. No, yeah. Yeah. Can we? That was. I know they meant it to be dumb, but that was just like super dumb. It should lower your your whole point Peter score down. It, don't it, you think? It did. I might have given this an eight point five. Oh my god! If it wasn't for, and maybe the, you know what? Maybe eight point two is too high. You know, I always rate these things too high in the first run, and then yeah. I drop them by like half a point. Yeah. It's because so maybe, you're naturally an optimist. Maybe the original is like a 7.5, Homecoming was, and yeah. this one's a 7.7. 7. Yeah, yeah. So anything else we need to talk about in the spoiler episode? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's more. Okay, so I did want to get into, uh, back on the spoiler-free version, I talked about how, why I gave this a higher rating than Spider-Man Homecoming. And you wanted to know why. Right, But right, I, right. I, I felt like I could... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was so long ago, stuff. I forgot that we talked about that. So here's the thing. I really like Michael Keaton. I thought he was a great vulture, but I did not get as into his backstory as so many other people did in Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm-hmm. It still felt rather... Uh, it felt... And, and similar to what they do in Far From Home, you know, they try to tie it into a current anxiety. Right. right. And so uh, some of the Marvel movies do that more than others. Uh, I, Homecoming did that by tying the vulture's home, uh, the vulture in Homecoming, his motivation was tied to like the financial crisis and people getting screwed right. over by exactly. that. Yeah. And so, of course, I think that was very, of course, that was something that, you know, a lot of people actually lived through and so they could resonate with that and i think that gave it a grounding for a lot of people that made it more emotional um but here's the thing and why i think it didn't resonate with me as much is because i sort of just i sort of missed out on the pain sure of the financial crisis sure i was i was just getting out of high school and I didn't have any money in the stock market. Right. I had a full ride to college that I wasn't paying for and my parents weren't paying for. And so, like, I knew it wasn't great. I knew there were these protests. I knew the the global right. economic situation. But it was all sort of hypothetical. It was all me. very hypothetical. Yeah. I was living in middle America. I was fine. I was set. I didn't feel that pain the way a lot of people did. And so I think it didn't. And I didn't even feel the fear of that pain you know, because I didn't, I was a young guy. I didn't know, I didn't have to worry about that kind of stuff. I had no debts to worry about. I had no assets, to, you know, yeah. anything. And so it just, it didn't resonate with me to the same degree that I think it would to an audience that 
you know, had to live through that and worry about taking care of their families and worry about their money just disappearing into the ether and all these in healthcare and all this sort of stuff that I just wasn't thinking about at the time. Now, Far From Home comes out and it's dealing with a very different current, you know, fear that we have. And that's this fear of what is truth and what is reality and what is, you know, how do we, how do we trust anybody in what they say? And like, people will believe anything. People will believe anything today. And so we're like, I, I constantly sit here and I look at Twitter and I look at what people are talking about online and I see how fractured we are and how everybody believes what they believe and nobody can convince them any, but any differently because we have, because being online gives you the ability to hang out with the people who agree with you. And so you get completely entrenched. And so Spider-Man Far From Home sort of comes right into that in its own way, obviously with some unique aspects with cloaking drones right, and right, things like right. that, that we, we don't have, we're not using all the time these days yet, at least. But it sort of deals with that existential um, fear of how do we live in a reality where we don't even know what reality is anymore. And so that resonated with me a little bit more because I think about that f- frequently on a personal level because I do digital, you know, I do social media, I do web content. I, I and I try to convince people to think differently about certain topics. Like that's kind of my job. Right. right. And so to see a landscape where it's really hard to do that because we're all sort of able to craft our own digital realities around us. Um, you know, to me that, that existential fear felt a little bit more, even though it's still, uh, ethereal, it felt a little bit more poignant to me. You bet. You bet. And so I, for me, and that's part of why it, it landed a little bit better. No, and I think I, I understand that. For me, the messaging was a little bit... I understood that that was part of what the movie wanted to convey, this sort of uncertainty as to what is really happening. And I think that in some ways it really worked. In some ways it felt inconsistent to me um, because, you know, when you're talking about this era in which, you know, people will believe anything, it's because these people in this universe, they live in an era where anything is truly possible. Like in our era, I think that you can, you can point to things and you can say, well, truth is sort of... It's sort of squishy because everybody sort of wants to define the truth for themselves. In the Marvel Universe, that truth has already been defined for them. It's just a crazy truth. And so because of that, the message that the movie wanted to portray, I just didn't think was quite as consistent as it could be, even though I knew that that's kind of what they were going for. Yeah. Well, and and it it suffers similar to, and this is where I felt like they were sort of the same in that because it's ultimately a superhero movie, you can't, it can be more di- like that. You want to, it's a superhero movie where you want to explore the teenage stuff. Right. But they have that very much in common homecoming and far from home. And so because they wanted to spend time, you know, dealing with Peter's angst over, you know, fitting in with his friends and, you know, finding young love with Mary Jane, like you can't spend as much time on the villains, uh, you know, reasons for being villainous. Right. In either right. film. Right. And so ultimately, I think the enjoyment of either film is sort of either you have to, sus- as usual, you have to suspend a, a fair amount of uh, disbelief or you have to 
just yourself personally resonate with that fear, right? Like at a just a very top level. Like no, oh, yeah, I, mean, I I've think been, that that's true. And I've been reading a lot about deep fakes <clears throat> and sure stuff like that with video, and so uh, that's where that gets into the second spoiler, truly, and that is the 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 end, the like end the credit end. scenes, yeah, yeah, um, where I, I loved. That like especially coming off of Avengers Endgame where we had no end post credit scenes or mid credit scenes the mid the mid credit scene in particular in Spider Man Far From Home and what that sets up for the next phase of Marvel that's what I was I I got really excited about that and that I think influenced my yeah. score yeah no I and I can see that I think that um I think that you're right when you have an issue that is addressed somehow within these movies it really it really it shapes how you think about it. And I think fairly so. I mean, I think that these these are issues that I think about, but not nearly to the level that you do. And I think that, you know, when you we, we can zip right back to the very beginning of the show when we're talking about um, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I am a sucker for those for those father-son stories. Right. They really impact me because it's just such a strong personal issue. You know, we're both dads and so we both have that that really strong connection with with our kids and how we want to to care for them and and you know, help them reach their potential. And so I think that that inherently those bring a little bit more pop. And I think that that it totally makes sense that that far from home would definitely impact you on a different level than it probably would me. Even though those are still issues that I think about and still issues that that concern me, I am not dealing with them like you are day to day to day. Yeah. Um and so that was where that mid-credit scene where we see, you know, Mysterio had abandoned his grand plan when Spider foiled it when Spidey foiled it in the end of the movie. And he's like, and he, you know, there's a quick little scene, there's a quick little note where he's like, well, what are we going to do? You know, uh, Mysterio's henchman is like, what are we going to do now? Like what in the middle of this Can't scene? Can't wait like, to see how you're going to spin this. Exactly. How are you going to spin this? And so to have Spidey show up and we have this little, we think what we think is just a sweet little mid credit scene where he's zipping MJ around the city and they're on maybe a little date to end to then have this breaking news and here's a video from Mysterio letting you know that Spider-Man for some reason killed him. Yeah. You know what? And is evil. You know, it, honestly, I had a completely different reaction where you love that scene, I hated it. Really? I really did because it felt like a cheap ploy to get us to watch the third Spider-Man movie. You know, I I didn't need a cliffhanger there. I thought that it it ended very satisfactorily. I didn't want it to me it felt it felt weird to have all of a sudden Peter Parker's identity, you know, spread out to everybody. It felt sort of the one great thing about it was Jameson, you know, a right. callback from those earlier Spider-Man movies. I thought that was great, but I think that the way it manifested itself you know, sometimes it's just nice to walk out and have things be okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but we already got that with Endgame. Like, no. everything was fine. So Everything and, well, was and So fine. that brings it back to the point that I was making in the spoiler-free version where is this more of an end cap on the Infinity Saga or a kickoff for whatever comes after the Infinity Saga? And, um, and so will we look back and remember this more as a, 
an ending, a beginning, or truly a bridge. And I think that remains to be seen with what happens in whatever they want to call the next phase. Are they going to call it phase four? Are they going to call it phase one of something else? Or are they going to call it something else entirely? All that, a lot of that remains to be seen. But we know we have more Marvel movies coming. And we know that they liked having a kind of overarching character arc throughout the pre, the Infinity Saga, like we I, at least I like to think that that the Infinity Saga was really Tony Stark's character arc threading through all the films. So, are we going to get that with Spider Man? Is this a red herring? Obviously, a lot of things have to be figured out. But I think the other reason it didn't throw me maybe as much as it threw you is I also spent a lot of time uh, over the last couple of months playing the Spider Man game for for video game. Right, right. Have right. you played that at all? No. Yeah. And uh, a big part of the Spider-Man video game deals with a, you know, J. Jonah Jameson who's very antagonistic towards Spider-Man. Like you're swinging through the city and just constantly you're hearing his radio show or his podcast or whatever it is, dragging Spider-Man, trying to bring down his character. Like obviously we know he's always not been a fan, but just to a different level uh, in the Spider-Man game. It's just kind of constantly present in this digital way around in the video game it's not just in newspapers anymore it's it's constantly in your ears as the player and so i like this and there's there's a point in the game and i won't get into the spoilers of how it happens but there's a point in the game where the city is kind of turned against you and you are on the outs and things are not going your way and so there's a sense that i think i got excited based on my time in the game thinking about what would the cinematic universe look like if if the people are split on Spider-Man and know his identity. I mm. think that's, and of course we thought that was going to happen. That had the potential of happening in Civil War, because that's how the comic version of Civil War goes. So I think I don't know. I think it sets up for some interesting, you know, a world where Spider-Man's identity is out there, but his buddies are all off and gone, and how do they come back? And what I don't know. I think we needed more of a personal threat to Peter, and like because. Here's and so here's my segue into next Marvel phase, and then we'll let I'll get out of Paul's hair. Is you know, where do you go when you have a villain who took out half of the universe? Like, how do you how do you go anywhere from that? Like, why don't you just put a period at the end and call it a day? Um, I think you the only way to do it is to get more personal, and I think that's what this sets the next Marvel phase up for perhaps some more personal stories a la uh, Logan. I don't know that they're going to go that dark, but Logan was really effective, you know, and it came on the heels of, right? It came after X-Men Apocalypse where you had this big, huge, you know, world ending threat. It's like, well, let's tell a very personal story. Yeah. You know, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. I, I am, I really don't know where it's going to go. I, I understand what you're saying in terms of that those personal stories, and I think there is a place for those personal stories. It takes some risk to delve into those. I mean, Logan was a very, in its own way, was a pretty risky movie. It was very, very different. Um, and as good as the Avengers movies have been, as, as good as the, the MCU has been, I am curious because of how lucrative it's been what kind of chances they're actually going to want to take um i am not i i gotta say that right now i i will be interested i am not optimistic Hmm. 
So we'll see where it goes. Interested, not optimistic about the next phase overall or? Yeah, no, I, I think I think that you're talking about, you are now talking about a franchise that, that has been so lucrative. They've gotten rid of most of their marquee characters. You're going to have to have some really strong stories to to funnel into this world. And the Marvel, the cinematic universe that we know um, has been really effective at doing that. But you can see signs, and I think that, that you can see it a little bit in Captain Marvel. You can see it a little bit in, in Spider-Man Far From Home, that because it's become such a phenomenon, there's a little bit of trepidation, and there's a greater sense that some of these movies are bridge movies. They're getting to the next big thing, as opposed to being the standalone movies that that really excel on their own. Um, and so I think that I think it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah, I think they have to take risks uh, if if they want. I think that's got to. I think they got to take risks now. If they want to actually make stuff that is going to define, continue to define the genre versus just falling into a formula, like I think now's their chance to do it. But time will tell if they do or not. Yeah, it's already a formula. I mean, to be honest with right. you, so it is. That's why I mean. That's why I think they like it. But we're okay with it at this point. Mm-hmm. Like you did a good job. We knew what to expect. You got us to the end of that. Now are you will, like so we were okay with that formula. Some people weren't sure, but I think for the majority of us were sure. But now I think there's going to be different expectations of, all right, maybe set a new formula for us. Yeah, I don't know. We'll That's see. where I'm at. So, what do you guys think? What do you think about the spoilers that were the spoilers that weren't the fears uh, or your own fears for the next phases of Marvel? What do you think is going to happen? I'm curious to hear what you think. As per usual. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm at AC Paul. Until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye.